Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Welcome to another episode of Heart Empowered Women Podcast. I am your hostess, Clarice Connolly, and welcome to this episode and the journey we're about to embark on. My intention for Heart Empowered Women Podcast is to bring women who are living an empowered life, that are coming from their heart, that are sharing their gifts in the world, that are bringing these sort of topics or conversations that most people aren't having or maybe people are afraid to have or they have judgments around and really just bringing some light to it. Maybe you wanted to do this kind of work. Maybe you wanted to reach out and get supported by this type of worker. Um, maybe this is something that keeps reoccurring in your life and you're not really clear, you know, what it means or, you know, maybe you haven't had a very thorough explanation of you know, what it looks like to be X, Y, and Z. And the intention is, is that maybe your story isn't the same. Maybe you aren't going through the same life situations, or maybe you haven't had this opportunity or experience, but to kind of hear yourself in this, how can you relate to this as to where you are in your life? Or how can you see that based on what's unfolding for you, that this could be a really great opportunity or a resource or, um, a possibility for whatever's unfolding. So this guest today, Vanessa Kuto, is an archetypal astrologer, a teacher, and an artist. Her focus is on helping clients gain clarity in the intersection of life and livelihood. Her clientele are purpose-driven entrepreneurs, creatives, and those who are on a quest for work that reflects their sense of meaning and aligned vocation. Her sessions are focused on helping entrepreneurs explore their business through an archetypal lens so they may create a more resonant and aligned brand. She works with clients from around the world from her office in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. I am so excited to have you on because I know... And this is, and I always say this, which is funny because maybe this doesn't even exist, but I'm originally from the East Coast. And if you would have told me like astrology matters or your zodiac sign and your archetypes and, you know, all these things, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even understand. And I love that you bring this like science and like all this wisdom and teachings and artistry and you like package it into this like profound experience that makes it a little less woo woo and more like, no, this is this is here to support you. It's definitely here to support us for sure. No, no, it's, it's true. It's a, you know, we think that we're not born with an instruction book, but we sure have a map and that's the birth chart. Mm -hmm. And astrology is very, very old. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I like to say it's the mother of all the woo, you know, feel the whole field, the whole um, everything that's come after has to a certain degree one little branch that ties up to astrology and um what got you it has been guiding him forever 
And what got no, go you, on. what got you started in it? I like I want to I want to start from like the the very beginning of like how did you stumble onto astrology? And then kind of let's say like how did astrology get kind of created in this work that you're doing? So actually I often try to remember because you know it's a common question because I myself ask I love to ask people hey how did you get into this thing that you're doing and I astrology funny enough does have a muse mm-hmm. and the name of the muse is Urania mm-hmm. and I like to say that the muse tapped me on my shoulder when I was in elementary school mm. all I remember was asking my you know, girlfriends at recess, hey, what's your sun sign? Mm. <laughs> Not really knowing. I don't know how I got into that for, for sure, because nobody in my family was into astrology. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was 12, 13, I was using some of my allowance money to buy my first, you know, couple of astrology books. Mm. And I started reading about the sun signs. And um, now I come from Brazil and I would say that Brazil is pretty, as a, in general, as a country and as a culture, is very open to more of the holistic, alternative way of thinking. And so it, it wasn't sort of like an unknown, you know, people did listen to astrology and I was aware, you know, astrologers would speak on TV at the end of the year about the, you know, the prediction for the new year and all that. So I was aware of that. But it was really when I came to and then when I came to the U.S. I did my high school here I started reading uh, a very famous astrologer at the time Linda Goodman it's a pretty famous book and I was totally hooked you know it's like oh I gotta find out what people's sun signs are and I just started observing people Mm. and their behavior and making mental notes oh she's a Virgo oh he's a Sagittarius and Mm. sort of being aware of that but it was actually my mid-20s that I finally got a reading done and you know so i i had a um i was teaching english in brazil and one of my students was studying astrology and psychology and she offered to do my chart and i was like sure let's do this and from then on i never full i never stopped because then i have i had the real instrument and then i moved to new york city after that right after that like a less than a year, a year later i think and i started studying with different teachers and taking all these courses and my personal astrology library started just growing and growing and I started um doing charts for friends and family you know people would be like oh I have a friend who wants to know and so I would do the chart and just really being closeted about it but studying it and reading as much as I could and one of my first astrology teachers which was still back in Brazil actually he uh, he approached astrology from a psychological standpoint. So that was my real first official incursion of like, okay, I'm going to learn now. Mm-hmm. And from then on, that has always been my, if you will, my school of thinking in terms of astrology, because it's a pretty wide, wide field. Mm-hmm. And there are many kinds of astrology. So my approach has always been uh, psychological, archetypal, mm-hmm. and which astrology is what led me to study counseling psychology. I have a degree um, from Pacifica Graduate Institute. So I studied uh, very much deep into Jungian psychology. And that's what informs me with my astrology work. Mm. And so as a tool of uh, self-development, 
personal development and knowing thyself. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, astrology is extremely helpful. And it helped me navigate my own changes and transformations, my own heroic journey. So it was a tool that I was not just using to help other people, but using especially to help myself. I love that so much. I think that it's so important that we sort of walk our talk and aren't just talking about this really great thing, but we're actually doing it as well. And I love that notion of like the, to the depths that we can know and understand ourselves or the, to the depths and the understanding that we can know others and like what better way to support someone and then having done all the work already. Yeah. And for me, uh, I mean, I think even as a kid, I was very interested in psychology and I was, I was very interested in fairy tales and mythology and psychology and images. I, I studied advertising, so I've always had an eye for what's being portrayed, you know, and sold to us. But to me, astrology was always the thing I would go back to as a way to make sense of my own life, what was unfolding. And to a certain degree, especially in the last several years, to make sense of the world, what is unfolding collectively. I've always been very interested in looking at the world as if it was a story and a fairy tale or a mythology and be like, okay, what is unfolding? What could be coming next? And how can we best approach what's coming? And that's what astrology has taught me. It's about cycles. It's about these deep ancient archetypes that even though we reduce them to little keywords and there's this thing that it's unfortunately it happens you know there's astrology discrimination you know mm. people get into these things of like well he's a scorpio Ooh, and she's an aries it just it just befuddles me that kind of conversation but it, it, when you look at it from a wider perspective it's deeply, it really informs us what is happening in the world and what wants to come through us. To me, I think that's the biggest gift with astrology is that uh, one of the analogies I like actually came from C.G. Jung and it's like, it's a vineyard and we are a vine and much like a vineyard captures the weather and what's around the vineyard and that informs the kind of wine you're going to make from that vineyard. Much happens with uh, your birth chart in astrology. It captures the essence of the time in which you were born so that when you are born, you are also the answer to a question that has been asked collectively. And to me, that has given me much solace when I was feeling very lost in my life of like, oh my God, what's happening? What do I do? Where do I go from now? So it has, I, I definitely have walked the talk with astrology because it has really informed me and guided me throughout my life. I love that so much. And I love that you so gracefully depicted that because that's exactly when I met you, like what that is empowerment at its core. Like, thank you for following like what you were passionate about where your heart was as a kid and then like carrying that on and for those of you who are listening right like what is that thing that you loved as a kid like how do you tap back into that and how can you or how are you still playing in that and you know it just oh it just fills my heart to you know hear that you're 
creating like that in others and that you're also, you know, creating um, a business out of this like magic that you inherently like love and are passionate about. And I love that that's, that, you know, for some people that live in a nine to five or that want to be an entrepreneur, you always question like, can I actually do the thing I love? Like, is this actually possible? And thanks for modeling that. That's amazing. I just wanted yeah. to put that out and just like bold and underline and explanation. And everything is everything. <laughs> everything you said there uh, really actually uh, is the picture of how I was not uh, feeling like years ago when I was like, oh my God, I am a jack of all trades. I have all these talents. I don't know what to do. And I did exactly what you said. I went back to what did I like as a kid? Mm. And I remember at the time I was in therapy. This I was still back in New York City. It was before I moved to Portland. And my therapist at the time, she said, when you go to the bookstore, because I'm a, I am a bona fide bookaholic, when I go to Powell's and I don't buy books, it's a good day. And she said, when you go to the bookstore, what do you gravitate towards? What, what section do you go to? And I really started observing that. And I started observing and remembering what I liked as a kid, as a teenager. and that slowly it wasn't a fast process at all it was what helped me come out of the closet as an astrologer because until then a pretty much until i would say 2013 14 i was still in the closet with like yeah my friends knew i liked astrology or i did astrology i started doing the art piece i do these uh, birth chart mandalas and I look at your birth chart and then I do the art piece. So I started to do that, but you know, only for those in the know, if people mm-hmm. know. but I wasn't really coming out of the, you know, the, the, the closet until I had the sense of like, well, here I am trying to create a business. I'm trying to leave the nine to five because it wasn't fulfilling at all. And I was trying to do this thing. I was going to do a business just around my art. And then I was like, wait a second, why am I sitting on the biggest thing that has guided me through life and I'm not going to use it? And that's when I did, you know, sort of came out of the closet, hung up my shingle and said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to mix the art. I'm going to mix the astrology and see how it goes. Um, And it's been a heroic journey ever since. (laughs) Um, Because leaving the nine to five is, it is an answer to the, the, the hero's call you know, the call to adventure. And there is something about perhaps the perceived safety of Mm -hmm. being in the nine to five, Mm -hmm. which is not to be diminished because depending on how your life is, it is quote unquote safe. Absolutely. But when you leave, it's, you know, to my, to my active imagination, it's like you're stepping outside of the castle walls and going into the forest. And if you read fairy tales, you know that magic and ogres and trolls live in the forest. So it could be magical, but it could be very scary. Absolutely. And that's how I felt when I left the nine to five. I was like, okay, I am going into the forest. What do I have in my you know, medicine bag here? I got astrology, you know, I got psychology, I got dream work. Okay, let's make it useful. Yeah. And thanks for the total transparency, because I think that that's important too, right? Like nobody asks Oprah Winfrey what it took to get her there, or maybe they do, but she's not like, she doesn't hide it, right? But it's like, we never see the like steps that it took to get there. And it's always like easier to be like, whoa, she's so famous and doing such amazing work. But she too was someone that had to leave, you know, her jobs and then decide to make her own thing, right? So I love that. Thank you so much for modeling that. 
Um, and thanks for giving so much permission to everyone everywhere to like, hey, it's okay. And we can step out of that. You know, it's, you know, I don't... I don't know if we can swear in the podcast, but it's scary. <laughs> as shit. It is truly, truly scary. <laughs> I love I'll it. tell you like every week, if, if it's not every week, at least a couple of times a month, you'd be like, why did I do that? Oh my God. <laughs> right. And then when you get a chance to do and talk about your work, it's like, oh yeah, this is the reminder. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned the mandala, right? Like, so you did this amazing, you plugged in all my information and you gave me my birth chart, which is this beautiful little picture of lines and symbols and numbers. And I'm just like, oh man, what is the, and I kind of love this idea of like, let's kind of play, like we're going through this experience, right? Like we're, we're giving the listener a snapshot of like, what it means to get your, um, you know, your, your birth chart, to get your mandala, to get, you know, all these pieces of information and kind of, what do you do with it? What does it mean? What does it mean? Right. So I want to preface just by explaining a little bit for those who don't know what the mm -hmm. birth chart is Absolutely. and what isn't, I guess. So when the birth chart I sent you, in many ways, for me, it looks like a modern painting, you know, could it be, it could be Rothko, could be Truly. Jackson Pollock, you know, it just looks like, what the hell is that? Very abstract. <laughs> <laughs> it's very abstract, very flat. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, uh, part of my business is for people who like it to commission and they like my art style, I do a drawing that sort of uses the birth chart, but it creates, it brings in other symbols too. So it, it kind of makes it more colorful and really like an art piece. Mm -hmm. But the birth chart is, in essence, the roadmap of your life at the time you were born. So it shows the positions of planets, the houses, is meaning what areas of your life are really being sort of illuminated by the planets at the time you were born. The Greeks had a, have a word that, the ancients Greek have a word that I really like and I like to use, and it's called the temenos. Mm -hmm. And temenos means the sacred ground, the holy ground. And I like to think of the birth chart as your holy ground. It's your cosmic real state. Oh, wow. And to know your birth chart takes a long time. You know, to this day has been over, gosh, if I officially just say when I really started, since I had my birth chart done and really started studying it, it's been close to 25 years now. Wow. And and I still find surprising elements in it. It's like, I look at it, I know it. And I'm like, oh my God, I hadn't noticed that before. Or I, because what happens is astrology is very multi-layered. So the more you go in, the more you find new things in it. It's, it's, I like to um, teach astrology from the perspective of a language. You you're working with a symbolic language. So the more you learn, the more proficient you become in the conversation. So when you do look at the birth chart for the first time, you're like, what the hell is that? You know, it's mm -hmm. a bunch of lines, little glyphs. It looks very foreign, very alien. Also, what the birth chart reveals is, I don't believe, this is my approach, because like I said, there are many approaches to astrology, is it's not written in stone. Hmm. I believe that the planets are archetypes, they're, if you will, beings, entities in our own way. And we get to engage with them. They engage in our lives, we engage with them. And the more we learn about them, the more uh, fluent we can be in the conversation. 
And, and so that way, that's why when you get a, a chart reading, you get it, you shouldn't get it just once. You should get it in many times of, in your life because one, different astrologers will bring in different uh, viewpoints, a, a new meaning, a new sort of a way of looking at it. Mm. You're going to be different in different stages of your life. You're going to be more mature, more wise or whatever it is. So mm. you approach your own story a little bit differently. So it's very rich to have your chart done many times throughout your life, especially, and people usually tend to go for an astrology reading or a session when they are in some sort of threshold or mm-hmm. kind of crisis point. The other thing is that the, astro- the chart itself does not say if it's a man, a woman, a dog, a house, <laughs> an event, unless you, you speak to that thing, to to the person so if i were to just look at any chart i couldn't tell what it was about Mm -hmm. or for Mm -hmm. and so that is really important because when you're sitting across from a client they need to you they need to be part of that conversation it's about their chart so i like what i like to tell my clients is that their birth chart is a bit like it's your own country and you are the ambassador of this country so get to know your country Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't you? That makes total sense. What, what's your main export? What, what's your tourist attraction? You know, what are some of the sort of the challenging parts of your country? You get to be the ambassador. And the more you know about that country, the better you can be its ambassador. Not to mention that when you are in a relationship, you, 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 you become a, a lot more kind to other people when you understand that they are, you know, they're not doing that. It's not personal, perhaps. It's a bit like, let's understand the country. You know, maybe they're not being great ambassadors of their own country, but that's a whole other conversation. Right, but yeah. if you think <laughs> of it that way. So, it, 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 so it, it invites us into a conversation. So really, as an astrologer, what I'm, my work is to be a guide, like a tourist guide almost. Like, hey, let's visit this five-star hotel you have down the street. But it requires you to go inside the hotel check out the bed, see if the, the linen is good, if the towels are soft, and if the bathroom is comfortable. You know, you get to experience that, you know. The astrologer can sort of speak to it, but you have the lived experience. So it's really important to emphasize that, that it's extremely empowering to a client to get to know their chart and to understand that they have agency with it. That it's not just like, wow, you have this planet in this place and that's really bad for your relationship. Well, that's kind of, an, in my point of view, an ancient way of looking at astrology. And we have evolved and astrology has evolved with us. And in the, in the 20th century, it has become, in many ways, deeply psychological as well. So that's my disclaimer and preface of what the birth chart is and isn't. I- I love that. I think that that is the best explanation I've ever heard of your birth chart because I, you read it and it gives you so many dimensions and you're like, I don't, I don't even get it. I mean, I know my son and my, my rising, (laughs) but I'm like, what? So if you like, how do you break it down? Right? Like what is the, you know, birth chart for beginners? Like you take this chart in front of you and I'm like, okay, Another person tells me, oh, you're a Scorpio. I'm like, listen, <laughs> like I hate labels. Stop. Oh, labels. God. <laughs> yes. I mean, I have to say Virgos and Scorpios. I mean, I believe all sun signs need their own PR campaign and a new sort of rebranding, but Scorpios and Virgos definitely mm-hmm. take the brunt, I think. 
Um, and and so I'm like the Scorpio. What is it? Scor- how do you even say it? Scorpio sun, and then I'm a Virgo moon. So what am I just like double whammied? Like look out, everyone. You got a PR <laughs> campaign coming your Wolf. way. Actually, the rising sign is Scorpio. Uh, I mean, sort of Virgo. Your moon is in Leo. Yeah. So see, let's break it down. Much I so know. usually, <laughs> what I well, funny enough, when I moved to Portland, what I was impressed here is that I would ask people like, "So, what's your sun sign?" And they would be like, "Yeah, my sun sign is Scorpio. My moon is in Leo. My rising sign is Virgo." And I was like, "Wow, they really know their stuff here." Mm. Um, I'm not from Portland. No, <laughs> <laughs> neither and I'm. But it's, it was kind of like, "Oh wow, okay, people are into this." Um, so we always I always start with the sun because it's usually what people know um even if they don't care for astrology they will know their sun sign and actually the sun sign became much bigger in the early 20th century that's when it really sort of exploded before that in many ways you would you would pay attention perhaps even more to the moon or something else but the sun wherever the sun is in the chart or whatever the sign that the sun is in is where you're shining is where the vitality is it is where it is the thing you are but also the thing you're becoming hmm. so as a sun scorpio in your case is you're you're getting a, a master's degree a phd in all things scorpio if you will yes that's you're really true. diving in there are things about scorpio that you would read in any book and it'd be like yeah that's me others you'd be like mm, i don't know but you perhaps developing that so i feel like in our lives we're here to really flesh out all the levels of that sign so in your case it's everything scorpio as much as you can that would fit into your life because like i said astrology is so Mm multi-layered you couldn't possibly cover everything but a lot of the scorpio realm you would explore deeply so the sun is there to like drive that Mm -hmm. and all the other planets are both serving or challenging the sun Hmm. and the sun also uh, is sort of the hero of the chart it's the thing you're becoming you face your struggles you grow you shine brighter that's the sun and our culture uh, is very solar so we understand as the idea of like oh yeah we are the hero of our own story so in that case it's your sun in scorpio really navigating the landscape of scorpio so the sun in scorpio is going to illuminate uh, scenes around power trust intimacy resourcefulness uh embracing what's taboo or shedding light being the sun in what is hidden so it is here to shine light onto that thing or that theme that is taboo in the culture or is hidden or tends to be secret whoa that's so crazy so i for anybody that's listening um this is the thing that i was like okay you need to just tell me my chart because then i'm gonna be like whoa this isn't wrong i'm not making this up and people that know me and know this podcast um i'm a scorpio obviously but i deal with a lot of like emotional intelligence like all the work that i do as an accountability coach as a coach like as a human being is very much in emotional intelligence which as a water sign right is emotion but there's also um 
like I'm, I'm all doing a lot of work with herpes and breaking the taboo and, and standing to break and dismantle the stigma around it. And that requires a lot of intimacy and vulnerability and courageousness. Yes. And, and, front, and, oh. and then you dig into Scorpio symbolism. Scorpio actually, you know, each sign rules a part of the body. Mm. And so Scorpio rules, interesting enough, the language is all the parts of the body that see no sunlight. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is so it's, magical. It's all the intimacy. It's all the sexual organs. It's the anus. It's the, so it's the parts of the body that have to do with sex and elimination. Wow. And so also it has to do with the venereal diseases. Oh, look at that. You know, the things that are hidden there. Mm-hmm. So there's a Scorpio and its other aspect as well. And so for anybody with Scorpio, and you have Sun, Pluto, and Mercury. So Mercury is the mind, the way you capture, the way you use information, is interested in digging in deeper. So if somebody said to you, create your business in something that's going to be fluffy and positive and sort of on the surface, it wouldn't do you well. No, nope. Because the whole gist of Scorpio is I am going to go where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so wholeheartedly. It's, <laughs> it's psychological courage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we look at, so, you know, I tend to go deeper into, I also look at how all the planets are relating and, and talking to each other, you know, what's involving, what's bringing with the sun. But then I also do, uh, you, I tend to explain what the rising sign is. Mm-hmm. And the rising sign, also called the ascendant, is, if you will, that if the world is a stage and then we open the curtains, how does Clarice show up? Yeah. What's that first impression? Or another way to put it is the rising sign is the kind of car you're driving in life while the sun is the driver. You know, what kind of car is this? What kind of vehicle are you using to take this scorpionic journey? Mm -hmm. So then you bring in that Virgo element, which brings in another flavor. So that's why people say, oh, I read stuff about my sign, but I don't feel like that's my sign. Well, it's like there's a whole chart to look at, Mm -hmm. you know, plus as human beings, we tend to sometimes live on one side of the chart. Like if you think again of the chart as your country, you sometimes like to stay on one coast, you know, mm-hmm. not go visit the other parts because it's too complicated. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the rising sign in Virgo, there's a, a, a need to approach life, begin things with that sort of, okay, is this going to be useful? Mm-hmm. Is this practical? Is this organized in some way that makes sense? Am I using my critical and analytical abilities? It needs to analyze. It needs to break it down. And so Virgo gets a bad rap for, oh, it's the perfection and thing. And actually Virgos are trying to, I feel, make the world, the environment that they're in better than the way they found it. Mm -hmm. And so it really focuses on, I need to be useful. Is this going to be useful? You know, is this going to help other people? And am I being, am I analyzing this properly? Am I taking in all the information that I collect, breaking it down and then serving it out into the world in the way that's going to be received and um, received as a useful and practical element. So often Virgos tend to be, so this colors your Scorpio nature, you know, Mm -hmm. 
it might not be, if you will, traditionally as the often Scorpios are described as very intense, but it comes across more like, okay, how can we do this? So it makes sense that you do accountability work because mm -hmm. that, if you think that from a business perspective, that's just, that's the end. That, that's the front door of your business. Mm -hmm. The real deep work gets done with the Scorpio stuff. Yep. But mm -hmm. the entry point, it's the Virgo, mm -hmm. right? So you need to bring in that element of like, oh, I'm going to help you organize. I'm going to help you make sense of this. We're going to use our analytical abilities mm -hmm. and be discerning. Uh, so that's one way that it comes across. That's what I like to do a, a lot with people who have my clients that have businesses is to look at their birth chart from that business perspective to see how are they aligning their work with who they are in becoming, you know, through the chart. And I love, I like love this so much. And this, this is literally, um, you know, if you're listening, this is like the first time I'm having someone share this with me and I'm just sitting here like, oh yeah. Oh man. And it's so funny because that's kind of the gift that I wanted this podcast episode to be is really like, how can you allow yourself to be seen in a way so you can be like, oh, right. Cause the perfectionist thing runs majority of my day. And I am just like, oh, and if my dad tells me one more time to stop being such a perfectionist, like, yeah, I wish I had an off button. Thank you. Thank you. But I love the like, I love this like picture that you paint that there's like, there's a time and a place that it's like very potent and in your work, it's super useful. And it's a very like, oh, it makes total sense that this is the work that you're doing. And then I hear from like this coach lens that's also like, and also there's probably like an unhealthy dose or portion <laughs> that, you know, is maybe unnecessary that you get to kind of be like, oh, by you know, by this rising sign, uh, this is me by nature. And then the obsessive part of perfectionism is actually the part that like doesn't serve me. So I think so much for bringing light to that because it's such a like, ah, oh, okay, got it. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because, you know, as we're recording this podcast, the sun, you know, we're in Virgo season, right? The sun is journeying through Virgo. And um, so I've been talking a lot about Virgo things. And uh, one of the things I like to often say is that the word perfection actually originally didn't mean perfection as we see it now in the sense of like it's, you know, for the lack of a better word, perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Actually means, is it complete? Mm -hmm. Is something complete? That's perfection. It doesn't mean it needs to be pristine and sort of virginal and sort of, you know, Virgin Mary-like, but is it complete? You know, so Virgo as a sign is very interesting because our culture, you know, if you ever heard of like the, um, we are in the age of Aquarius or entering the age of Aquarius, which means we're leaving the age of Pisces. The opposite sign of Pisces is Virgo. And a lot of our culture has a very um, un unbalanced relationship to Virgo. Mm -hmm. You know, Virgo, one of the archetypes for Virgo for me is the, the priest or the priestess of a temple in the sense that they are tending to what is sacred mm -hmm. and they're looking for the divine in the minutia of daily life. Mm -hmm. And so when I think when a Virgo, I tell this, my clients, if especially they have strong Virgo or a lot of Gemini, um, when they start going into their heads, 
and getting overly sort of in, in the Virgo case, they go into the perfection madness, right? Mm-hmm. Or they go over analyzing it to, 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 to the nth degree. I tell them, go work with your hands. Mm-hmm. You need to do things with your hands that bring a sense of mindfulness. It could be from washing the dishes to coloring, you know, doing coloring books or knitting or something that as you get into it, you sort of empty the mind a little bit. Uh, it could be meditation, of course, which would be the obvious. But sometimes I feel like when you're in your head in Virgo and Gemini's do that a lot, you, you need to use the hands. Oh my gosh. You know what? That just makes total sense for me. Even as a kid, when I was a kid and I was in my head or I was having a hard time or I couldn't feel like I had anybody to talk to or I was lost in my thoughts, I would journal. Mm-hmm. And it's a total hand thing. You are using your hand to write. I can't type it out normally, but writing, yeah. oh, it's such a release and it's so cathartic for me. It's so helpful. That makes total sense. Yeah. So there's a way to engage. So I think when we tend to sort of manifest or experience the, if you will, the more challenging negative aspects of a sign, some, there's a, it's a sign of stress, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of beauty in Virgo and a lot of wonderful power in Scorpius, but you can feel it when you start getting all twisted mm-hmm. with it, something is out of whack. And so our culture has taken the, the Virgo archetype and made it sick. You know, we, we tend to emphasize the sort of the hypochondriac element of Virgo, mm. you know, the sort of the fussiness. And that's where I call the astrological discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people who might know very little about astrology and they hear Scorpio, they hear Virgo and they're like, oh my God, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> do you even know what you're talking do about? Do you even know? Thank you. Because if I get qualified, like if someone sees me and just like Scorpio and then they've already got all these judgments. I'm like, listen, yeah. judge a book by a cover. You're going to be left up, yeah. <laughs> up the Creek. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think, I think it behooves us, you know, especially as the ambassadors of our chart to really get to understand the archetype of at least our sun sign really well, mm-hmm. because there is a reason that Scorpio is feared. It had to do with the time of the year, one example is that back in the day, you know, astrology being born in the Northern Hemisphere, it was a time of the year when you would slaughter the animals that you knew would not survive the winter. Mm-hmm. That you would need to do that because the animals, you wouldn't have food for them and you needed food. So you kept some of the animals and the others you would have to slaughter. You know, fall was kind of turning colder. It It is a time of deep transformation. It is a time of the year when, yes, for the ancients, for you know, not even that long, you are facing death. Mm-hmm. Death was a possibility. Mm-hmm. So I can see where Scorpius would get a bit of that sort of fame because it is a sign that's right on the threshold between life and death. Mm-hmm. And it is a sign, a lot of its archetype, a lot of its symbols have to do with death. You know, now with our psychology, we can be like, well, it's deep transformation. But there is something about Scorpio that does touch on something really primal. But it's our job to really take that in and be like, okay, how can I really use this for something more positive or that really is healing? Meaning, does it make whole again, right? I love that so much because it really does. Like when I hear death, I don't think of like death of a human. I think of like ego death. 
And I think yes. of like expectation death and the way that you hold these like realities as not actually real okay. or achievable. And it's, you're constantly like, okay, well, that's not real. Death to that. And like continue to grow and expand your beliefs as you know and it's always mm -hmm. like and that's something you do in your in your, your when, with your business with your clients mm -hmm. right you mm -hmm. you're actually dealing with a lot of ego little tiny ego deaths mm -hmm. right whatever is the project that's what a coach does right we're helping people navigate that threshold that liminal space between where they are and where they want to go mm -hmm. right yeah and there and there is death in that mm -hmm. um, I mean, sometimes I think that even starting a business, something that never gets talked about is that there is a death element when you start a business, because many parts of you need to die for you to really become the creator, the entrepreneur that you envision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And the more expectation you have, the more, um, you know, the more the the parameters you put on yourself and then if you don't meet them it's like oh yeah yeah mm -mm. there is an ego death you're definitely mm -hmm. right in that mm -hmm. and i mean we can look at all the other plans but one that i often um talk a lot about even in my social media posts is probably the one thing i talk uh, the most about is the moon and <laughs> i had a client once say oh the moon is the secret sauce of the chart um so the moon and in your case it's the moon in leo is our emotional landscape, the things, in short, I like to say to my clients that the moon is what you need to do to feel nourished. This is what you do for your self-care. This is the thing you need to do to feel like yourself again. Hmm. And so I like to tell my clients often that do your moon and your sun will thrive. Oh, I like that. Ooh, yeah. I know nothing about my moon. I think that only everybody ever asked me for my sun and my rising, and I'm like, that's it. I that's have it. no idea about Leo. I know nothing. It's so I, I've been doing a whole series of uh, um, workshops and talks around the moon and self-care where I talk about self-care from, from the astrology perspective in relationship to the moon and looking at your moon sign as how do you approach how do you care for yourself? Because the moon is saying, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm striving for. This is what I want to become and go forward. The sun sort of pulls you forward. Mm -hmm. The moon is like, uh-uh, we're not doing that until I feel safe. Mm. I need this to be safe. And so the moon will tend to, so when we talk, especially in our culture that is extremely solar and we want it to be everything shining and light, we, we struggle a lot with the moon because the moon is everything about ourselves that tends to be unconscious. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff you do day to day without really thinking. So when you, let's say an example is this, you meet somebody, you fall in love, you move in with them. Now you get to see their moon. And that's where a lot of challenges can happen. Or when you're traveling, you're backpacking with somebody with an extended trip, you get to see their moon as well. Because this is the moon tends to be how we, especially how we behave when we are stressed. Because if you don't, as I say, do the moon and do what the moon needs, you will tend to manifest the more negative traits of the sign that the moon is in. When you're tending to the moon, and your self-care well, you're much better able to experience the positive aspects of that sign. Plus, 
you're much more willing and have emotional strength and resiliency to help others. So the moon teaches us a lot about belonging and how can we be compassionate? How can we care, take care of others as well? So if you think about that idea of the five languages of love, right? I like to say the five languages of the moon because the moon will teach us, look, oh, this is what I need for care and self-care. It tends to be how we will help others, right? So knowing the moon, especially of a beloved or someone you're in relationship with, helps a lot because sometimes for you, let's say when you're sick, you want chicken soup and that's what you need. You would love that. But that person, that might not be it. You know, their moon is somewhere else. <laughs> they may need something else. So when you look at the moon, you're looking at what do I need? And this is the key word to feel like I'm doing well, that I'm thriving, that I'm nourished, that I'm fed at a soul level. It has a lot to do with the soul. Um, some of the ways we look at the sun and moon is that the sun has to do with our spirit and the moon has to do with our soul. I like to use the moon, the sun and moon as the cosmic lovers. You know, it's a cosmic romance because every month they join together in the new moon. You know, they sit across the table from each other in the full moon. And it's all the lunar phases are mm. about the relationship of the sun and moon. So we can see that how it plays in our lives when you think about, in your case, as an example, is you have that sun in Scorpio, you're, you're striving to go where angels fear to tread. I want to really go deep and down there and illuminate something. The moon in Leo is saying, I need to be seen. I need to be acknowledged. I need to be seen in my, the way I self-express myself. I need that to be acknowledged. And to a certain degree, I need that to be loved. You know, I need to be really, uh, there's a sense of the vulnerable visibility there. So that kind of puts an interesting twist in the whole thing, right? So here's Scorpio saying, oh, you know, Scorpios could be, oh, let's be private. I'm going to keep my cards close. But the moon in Leo is like, but I want to be seen. Can you acknowledge me? Plus, can I have some fun? Because in Leo, you've got to play. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a really, that's really, um, that's so potent. That's so rich. And I, I'm like, yes, this is about me. Like, again, listeners, like, how can you hear yourself in this? Like, do you know your moon? Do you know your emotional landscape and what you need? And it's so wild. Like when you say that, um, because there's so much like of me that is like, I will share shamelessly all the time, anything. And I can totally see how there's this element of like care in that, of like needing to share and be seen and connected and absolutely like acknowledged for, you know, maybe the work that I'm doing or whatever mm -hmm. I'm sharing. And I, I never, um, I've done a lot of speaking engagements, which I, I didn't really like think too into about, but now that I have a very big one in September at Spark Portland, it's, um, it's like this speech isn't about getting it right or being perfect. It's like, I've got a message that is like ready to be seen and to be shared and acknowledged. And I love that. Like, that's so, this stuff is just so magical and like spot on and you couldn't make this up. Like, it's just like, oh, I feel seen. Thanks for acknowledging it. Yeah. And there's a couple of things, you know, people walk their charts. 
you know, everybody's walking their charts. The difference I would say is that perhaps is the level of awareness of what are they doing? Because mm -hmm. then when people get to know their charts, they're like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like they have more tools in their bag to go even deeper and develop, go down the spiral staircase and go at a deeper level into that archetype. Another element about the moon in Leo is that it has to do with the heart. Leo, remember the signs rule different parts of the body. Mm -hmm. So Leo has to do with the heart. And there's a strong, I would say perhaps the superpower of Leo is generosity that comes from the heart. When Leo is, when Leo is well fed, <laughs> when the lion is well fed, um, it will be generous from the heart. This is, you know, think about royalty, the king and queen, they can give the boon to the hero when they're in full on sort of in their magnanimous position. Mm -hmm. But when they're hungry, right? This is when it gets twisted is then it's like, give me attention. They may sort of steal this, you know, hog the stage, steal, you know, do something that calls for attention. Mm -hmm. So you can see how it plays with the sign is when you step on that stage at the end of the month at Spark, you're going to use a speech that's going to touch to the core uh, and hit the heart, you know, hit right in the heart mm -hmm. of your message. And so when I first met you and you were giving your speech, it was a story that was personal. Mm -hmm. It touched on a taboo subject, right? But you shared with so much heart. Mm -hmm and so much personality that we could we could then take something useful out of it. So there you are using both Scorpio, Leo, and Virgo all in the 20 minutes I saw you speak. Mm -hmm. So it all we walk the chart. I so I just say, let's be conscious of that then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing that I want to like emphasize, right. And, you know, maybe this is reading between the lines and maybe you haven't caught this, but what I hear in this is like, Wow, to the extent that we can know ourselves, like I can bring to a, a relationship or a friendship or, you know, whatever dynamic and be like, hey, what I need to feel emotionally safe or have my needs met is to feel seen and acknowledged. And, you mm -hmm. know, how do we know that about our loved ones or our partners mm -hmm. or our coworkers or managers or business, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So that, you can better understand this person and like, wow, what would that gift you? Like, what would that bring to your existence? All, all I know is that when I met my husband and I found out his moon, I was like hone in on that moon. I was like, okay, let's learn everything about that moon. Yeah. And I think too, and it, I got to say it has helped me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's like, so, um, it's so, it's another rich, like completely different level than like, what is your love languages? And it's not separate, but it's kind of like, could you imagine if you knew their love language and you knew their moon and like, you were not only taking care of yours first, but you're also able to be like, oh, okay, I know what this person may or may not need based on what they know or don't know, or based on their sign, right? Like it's, it's so yeah. beneficial and not just like romantically. I could even hear business wise. I can hear <laughs> partnerships, non family dynamics. Oh my gosh. So Hold business on. wise, for an example, is you look at the moon as your, 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 um, your, yeah. I like to call that the sun is the CEO and the moon is the client relations. Mm -hmm. Your moon is the resonant connection to your clientele. 
by dealing with the stuff that you need through your moon, you understand what your client needs. So your clients are coming in to a certain degree with a Leo moon in the sense that they're needing to be acknowledged for what they're doing. They are they needing to, to express themselves. They need to be visible. Mm-hmm. They need to do something that's from the heart. Mm-hmm. They need to have some play. You know, you can then you can really sort of flesh out everything that encompasses Leo to understand your client. And so I think that one of the exercises, there are so many exercises around like your client avatar, what's your client mm-hmm. archetype? I'm like, start with them. <laughs> it's right there. The archetype is right there. It's mm-hmm. in your birth chart. And you, and you shared with me too, like, and this is such a, it's so, um, it's so potent in multi, like on a multi-dimensional layer, but like the birth chart as our roadmap, it's mm-hmm. like, if you are lost, you know, if you hear yourself right now, or you're listening and you're in transition or you're confused, or maybe you're tired of this job you've had forever or tired of this job that you just got, that you just keep flipping around from, like, I don't, whatever it is, right? If you're feeling that sense of lost or confused, or where do I go now? Like, wow, what better resource than to get an astro, like to have this read for you and to know, like to be able to have access to this. Because even when it's hard, astrology can at least say to you, look, this is a point that you are traversing a, a landscape of fog. Mm-hmm. Even if that is a confirmation of the fog that you're in, at least you know that the cycle will transform itself eventually. There is, I do think, some, um, I don't know, it just helps the soul not feel so anxious and like, what's happening? What's happening? Mm-hmm. It's more like, no, oh, this is a phase. You're in it. So find out everything about this fog that you're in. Uh. Get, become a get a fog PhD, you know, if need be. Yeah. But it does help to understand the situation. Absolutely, and I love that too, right? Because there's most days where maybe a handful of my friends have been like, "It doesn't need to be perfect," and you're just like, "Ah, oh, but you don't understand, right?" Like I'm always going to go back to perfectionism because I'm like, "Man, I can't wait for the day that I don't have it." And then the reality is, is like maybe the unhealthy version, right, or the obsessive part that's for you know, borderline crossing the line, right? Versus when you read this thing and you're kind of like, oh, that's perfectionism by nature. And, you know, you're just like, it's always going to be there. It's kind of this like acceptance, compassion, and also how do I intentionally use it where it's needed and how can I let go of where I don't need to, you know, and also how do you recreate a new relationship? So I hear that there's so much. That there's so much, learn. yeah. It's so much we can learn and dissect and practice and take on and this is such a profound gift. De- definitely, I, I would say one of the main tools, not the only one out there, because now, thankfully, we have a lot of good tools of, you know, knowing ourselves. But definitely, astrology, to me, is still is one of the top tools of knowing who you are, what do you need, where, what are your growing edges, and where you are in the cycle of development of yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. the planets keep on moving and, you know, so they really still activate the chart in their own way. And so you go through these phases of growth and, you know, sort of expansion and contraction. And astrology teaches you that at a personal level, and it teaches you that from a collective level, like we look at what's happening in the world, you know, astrology has a lens in which to help us make sense of it. Mm. 
I love that you can really talk about this from a like, I don't want to say a scientific background, but it's so relatable and it doesn't have so much of that like woo woo where you're like, oh my God, this is like so much. It's so like, yeah, like very matter of fact. And then, and you have such a great way to relate to this and to share it. And it just really, you're like, oh, good. This is so good. Okay. <laughs> I can do this. this yeah. I can do this. I can it's, not, this. it's not scary. Um, <laughs> and I always invite, you know, for me, astrology is really an art. Mm-hmm. It's a language. It's an art. And I think each astrologer brings their special flavor to it because your own personal development, your own story informs the way you approach the tool you use. And, but I always invite my clients and students to look around you. Astrology is actually everywhere. It's in the seasons. It's in the symbols around us. I mean, start by observing the moon phases and, you know, communing with that, you know, do your moon so your sun can thrive. Um, It's really everywhere in our culture and even in art, especially in art, you know, um, so it's so rich that it's what I'd like to see is that people have a more sort of intimate relationship with astrology where it's not just out there. It is not like woo woo and something yeah. they can't reach, mm-hmm. something that can actually use every day to help them make better decisions and have a better understanding of themselves and the people around them. Mm, I love I that. I think astrology can help more kindness and more at least more curiosity about the people around us oh my gosh and for me i mean since i'm a scorpio um (laughs) just to know each other deeper just to know each other on a completely different level i mean it sounds like on an astrological level right yeah oh Mm. But we can't, yeah, but one, we can't let astrology, this is my sort of disclaimer, because we all do it, it's common, but I think it's something we need to watch out, not to use astrology as a crutch, mm-hmm. either, because I, I mean, I think we all do, we say, oh, I have this thing, I'm like this, and oh, it is this thing, it's like, no, it's one level of it, but can you relate can you I don't know can you transform it you're you're not Mm -hmm. stuck in that mode just because Mm -hmm. you have this thing doesn't mean you're stuck in it yeah I what's that um that I think that most people are concerned that I'm a Scorpio because they're known for stinging yeah and I think most people are like ah are you gonna do that thing to me and it's like it's funny because it is you know if you do feel like trust is broken and you do feel like something has done you wrong or someone has done you wrong like there is that immediate like vengeful vindictive like uh, right and sure you can be like I'm a Scorpio and I will absolutely rip your throat out with my stinger but <laughs> like or I can choose not to right like I did get hurt how can I acknowledge that how can I be like hey that actually hurt me and let's talk and maybe about- how can you teach the other person that there are consequences to breaking in trust and this is the lesson you know absolutely so I love that I think that that's really important I think I thank you so much for emphasizing that like yeah we don't need to capitalize on the part part that Scorpios can be vindictive and vengeful and just think we have to be all that all of the time um, but, but maybe sometimes you need to call in the mafia the Scorpio mafia yeah. like yeah, you really pissed me off. Yeah. And it's so healing too, right? If you're someone that's never been angry or you've never given yourself permission to be angry, like mm-hmm. 
oh, try it once with a safe person. You feel safe that you can clean up the mess after and it's, it's healing. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Thanks for making sure that you make that note because I think that there's so many that, um, you know, run with it. And we're so extreme by nature that it's just like so automatic to be like, but listen, so I'm, only this. Yeah. I'm only this. I'm only this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I mean, we all do it. You know, we all have moments. I mean, I have my moments where I raise my hands to Mercury retrograde. I'm like, damn you. But I always remember Mercury is my friend. Um, yeah. But you know, it's, it's normal. I think it's just, this is why I think astrology is about the conversation we have mm -hmm. with Absol something that goes beyond us absolutely i and, love that so much yeah and places us in the cosmos you know we are in conversation if nothing else with our solar system <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's a deep conversation that we should be having Mm -hmm. I love that. And if this resonates with you, if you want to claim all the spokes of your life's wheel and learn more about your signs, you know, get your astrology reading, a birth chart made. Um, if you're lost, you're in transition, you're not clear who you are after a long relationship, or you're in business and want to do, go to that next level or start a next level or, you know, anything, everything really, it honestly sounds like it. Please let's, let's reach out to Vanessa. You can find her online, uh, Vanessa Kuto. So yeah. it's B-A-N-E-S-S-A-C-O-U-T-O.com. It's also going to be in the link. Um, you can find her on Facebook. She is forwards, Facebook forward slash Vanessa Kuto 25, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-C-O-U-T-O 25. And also for the same for Instagram. So for Instagram forward slash Vanessa Kuto, V-A-N-E-S-S-A. C-O-U-T-O 25. Um, she's actually got some really great things. If you're interested in signing up for her newsletter and you want to receive an ebook about the moon and self-care, um, please reach out or send her an email info at vanessacuto.com so that you can be a part of that newsletter. Um, and then she also has an ebook. She's been so generous to give us an opportunity to reach out and get an ebook to be able to know more about your moon and how to self care. So you can find that at http dot um, forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash moon self care. Vanessa, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being your chart. Thanks for bringing all your passion and your heart. And thanks for sharing your empowerment with us in such a beautiful way. It's been such an amazing hour. Thank you so and you much. And you keep shining that Scorpio sun, helping us uh, tackle our own Scorpio selves. Listen, listen, Scorpios. I'm setting the tone, okay? Just acknowledge <laughs> me whenever you're done. Um, it's so good. I, I love... I love the work that you're doing. It's so important. And I'm just so grateful to have you on and to share this. It's, it's really great. I'm, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, tune in to our next episode where we're going to bring more heart-empowered women talking about topics that more people should be talking about, in my personal opinion, or, you know, um, topics you're curious about or living lives in ways in which you've thought about doing but don't know anybody that is doing. And as always, please check us out how where podcasts are distributed heart empowered women podcasts like subscribe leave reviews whatever you need and i will love you eternally and 
gratefully forever and ever, no matter what you do, regardless. I hope you have a really great rest of your day.